know the old saying, you are what you eat. And have you ever thought that maybe you are what you speak? Welcome to episode 15 of Self Love Lessons with Luna, where we discuss all things body image, confidence, self-esteem. And each week I reveal to you and you can discover new tools, subjects and ideas to help you really learn to love yourself on a way bigger scale than you've ever thought imagined. After all, self-love is not a talent. It's not something that just gets waved upon us and all of a sudden we feel that way about ourselves. Self-love is an absolute skill and it's something that you can learn. <laughs> Love, Luna. I've got a mission for you. Don't think of a blue tree. No, 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 no. Don't think of a blue tree. Don't think of a blue tree that's got a big blue bright trunk and big blue leaves. Don't think of that. Do not think of... No matter what you do, do not think of a blue tree. What you thinking? I don't know exactly what you're thinking, but it's pretty likely that you're thinking of some kind of blue tree. At least you did in the beginning, right? As soon as I said, don't think of a blue tree, it came into your mind and then you stopped thinking about it. Maybe you change it to a pink one. Maybe you change it to a different kind of colored tree. But at some point you thought of a blue tree. So what's a blue tree got to do with self-love? Well, in this week's episodes, we're talking about how language creates our reality. This is Life Hack 101. Let's get stuck into it. Many years ago, I was working in a call center and I picked up the phone and I welcomed this person and I said, hi, how are you today? And they said to me, I have had the worst day ever. And they were clearly choked up, their voice was wobbly and I felt into them immediately. And I thought to myself, in that split second, I thought about the worst day of my life ever. And I instantly went into empathy mode. Oh my goodness me, you know, what's going on? Are you okay? Are you safe? Is your family safe? What's just happened? And this person decides to tell me the story and they say, this morning, I lined up for three hours to get the new iPad. And they were legitimately crying at this point. And they said to me, and as I walked out the door, I tripped. I dropped it and it broke. This is the worst day of my life. Now, admittedly, I didn't handle it all too well way back then. I kind of giggled a bit because I was relieved that everybody was safe and that nobody was hurt. But of course, in this person's experience, it was the worst day of their life. Have you ever had moments like that where you feel like this is the most catastrophic thing that could ever possibly happen? Yeah, I think we've all had those kind of moments, haven't we? And so the way that we describe our world becomes our world. For that person, it was their worst day ever. Now, maybe that's true for them. Maybe they have never gone through any kind of hardships at all in their life and this was the worst thing they ever had to overcome. Honestly, really great for them because life can throw some pretty bad curveballs at us. But let's think about it for a second. If today is the worst day ever, if today is catastrophic, if today or whatever's just happened is something that you just will not be able to recover from, what happens when things get real? What happens when you get unwell? Maybe terminally. 
What happens when people that you love disappear? What happens when your environment catches on fire and there's disaster? What happens when things are actually catastrophic? We get overwhelmed because we have nowhere to go. If today was the worst day of that person's life, that when they experience some tragedy that is really full on, they have no other language to experience that. They become completely overwhelmed and cannot cope by any stretch of the imagination because their language already created the reality that previously with the iPad was the worst day of their life. The brain is kind of like Google, you see. A lot more complex than Google, and that's really saying something because Google is quite complex. But if all you search for in Google is disaster, all you're going to get is disaster. Yeah, you might get disaster recovery, you might get disaster cleanup, but everything's going to be based around disaster. And your brain is very similar. Whatever you're punching into the Google that is up here is what you get in life. If you walk around thinking that today is a disaster, today is horrible, oh my god, it was just awful today, then it's likely that you're going to get more experiences of awful. If you punch into your Google up here about things that you're grateful for, irrelevant of the circumstances, if things are going really poorly and you can still find gratitude and you speak gratitude, then you are going to find more things to be grateful for. This is what your Google in your mind does. And look, it's not to say that sometimes things are horrible. I'm not promoting by any stretch of the imagination that you walk out into your disaster zone and say everything's fine everything's fine I'm just gonna be you know really grateful for what's happening in my life you know because everything's fine it's not about walking into your garden and saying that there are no weeds but it's also not about walking into your garden saying oh my god these weeds are overtaking and I can't do anything about it catastrophizing this experience sometimes things are horrible in everyday kind of life, we tend to over-exaggerate what's bad and we undervalue what's good. So when we feel good, we might say, I feel good, rather than I feel outstanding, or I feel fantastic, or today's a beautiful day. Instead, we're more likely to go, I had a bit of an annoyance today, and rather than it being something that just peeved me off, oh, it infuriated me. We over-exaggerate it. Language has the power to create our reality, to change our reality. Now, there's a difference between objective reality and subjective reality. I haven't moved. I've changed my perspective. You may now see things differently from this lens. Yet, pretty well, I'm sitting in the same spot. My view hasn't particularly changed. The objective reality has not shifted at all. Yet, your experience of it has. Probably about 10 years ago now, I got really unwell. I was really quite sick and my foot went numb and I had to go see a neurologist and all sorts of different stuff. And I thought was quite concerned about my health and well-being. It turns out that I had developed type 1 diabetes. That means I'm insulin dependent. It means that, you know, a huge amount of life changes and a disease that I would never be able to get rid of. Something that I'm going to have for the rest of my life. It was quite a devastating experience at the time. And I recall speaking with my brother about it. We sat down and we were having a coffee and I said, Brother, I have type 1 diabetes. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to inject, you know, five times a day for the rest of my life. And he goes, Phew, 
At least it's not cancer. <laughs> and look, I appreciate that we don't want to minimize somebody's experience of it, but also perspective, you see. What my brother did for me in that moment, and something that I still recall today, and I often have that experience when my diabetes is annoying me, when my diabetes is, you know, the frustrating thing I have to eat when I don't want to, and all that kind of stuff. When that's happening for me, well, you know, at least it's not cancer. And I know that many people have experienced cancer. I know that. And I can't, cannot say that my experience is any worse or any better and that cancer is an awful, horrible thing. Do not get me wrong of minimizing my privilege there. It's perspective. We can change the reality by simply by the way that we look at things. Does it change the objective reality? No, I still have diabetes. That's still a thing. But it does change my experience of it, my subjective reality. It changes the way in which I see it. I can be far more grateful for my health because all I have to do is inject five times a day and I stay alive. Cool. Many people do not have that kind of privilege. If you change the way you see the world, the world you see will change. And again, it's not that you're looking out on that rainy pouring day and changing the rain. But very often when it's a rainy pouring day, people go, oh God, it's horrible weather today, isn't it? Oh, what a shitty day. Yet it's not horrible. It's not shitty. It's just raining. All you're doing is filtering through of the experience. Whereas if you see that rainy day with the high winds and the tumultuous weather and you go, huh, good day to be inside. Or I'm so glad I have a raincoat and I have rain boots. I'm so glad that I get to play in this rain. It changes the experience of it. Let's go back to the blue tree for just a moment. Why did you think of a blue tree when I explicitly told you not to? I explicitly said don't think of a blue tree. I told you many, many times to not go there. Don't do it. Why? Have you ever had a moment where somebody tells you to not forget something? Don't forget your keys on the way out. What do you do? Forget the darn keys. Jared, why did I do that? Have you ever told your kids a million times not to run? Don't run down the hallway. What do they do? Run down the hallway. Look, kids are a little bit of a tricky one. It's, it's not to say that if you tell your kids to walk instead of not run, that they're going to, but they're more likely to. Much like Google, the brain just hears what the directive is. Don't and not get deleted from our language. What's going on up here? If you put not red car into Google, you're still gonna get red car. If you put don't show me red car, the only thing that Google is searching for is the keywords, red car. We are the same. If I don't tell you to think of a blue tree, you have to first think of a blue tree before you're able to not think of the blue tree. Or more accurately, think of something different. So to change the experience of it, we must speak as we want it, as it's required. So if you want somebody to not forget something, what you really want them to do is to remember. So when anyone ever says to me, don't forget to do X, Y, Z, I instantly, out loud, say, I'll remember to do X, Y, Z. Remember, remember, remember. Because I'm reinforcing the thing that I want, which is to remember, not to forget. 
So this is just one example of how our language really does create the reality and how these tiny little adjustments in our language can actually change our experience of our life. You are more likely to remember, you are more likely to do the thing if you language it in a way that is specific to what you actually want rather than the thing that you do not want. Think of the blue tree. Another example of these small little language changes that you can make that we all do, I, I, every single client that I've ever worked with and I suspect ever will work with, I work with them on these language points and it changes their experience of the world. A big one that I know a lot of us come up against is the word should. I should go to the gym, I should eat healthily, I should do this, I shouldn't eat that, I shouldn't sleep in, whatever it happens to be, we end up shoulding all over ourselves. Should is lazy language. When I say to myself, I should go to the gym, it's not actually what I mean. Think about it. When you are saying I should go to the gym, insert whatever should applies to you, if I should go to the gym, there's an element of judgment that comes with that. That I'm not living up to someone's standards, be that mine or somebody else's. But it's actually not accurate of how I'm describing my reality. What is entirely accurate in that moment, perhaps for me, could be, I know that going to the gym would get me a result that I'm after. Right now I couldn't be bothered. And I'm feeling a little bit guilty about it. <laughs> now I know that's a lot longer than I should go to the gym, but it is more specific and, and changes the experience of the reality. When I say those words to myself, oh, I know that going to the gym is going to make me feel healthy. I really couldn't be bothered right now and I'm feeling guilty about it. It changes my experience entirely. There's no judgment there. There's just my experience of it. It's factual. It's more objective than the subjective of the shoulds that come into it. Another example of our everyday language where we get tangled up in this is the word try. Well, I'm trying to do this. Think about it. If I'm holding these pair of sunglasses in my hand and I try to drop them, well, I could be trying right now, right? I'm trying to do it. If I turn my hand over and I'm gonna try, well, I didn't try to drop it, I did drop it. For any Star Wars fans out there, I'm not particularly one of them. I may have just lost a whole bunch of my own fans, but I'm not, but Yoda, says do or do not. There is no try. You are either doing it or you're not. Practice makes progress. Practice is the word in which we can replace with the word try because try is inaccurate. Try often presupposes that we're not doing it. Well, I'm trying to do it, but I can't. I'm trying to be better, but I'm not. I'm trying, but I'm not getting there. But when I'm practicing something, well, I'm just practicing, right? So if I'm practicing dropping this, I practiced and I'm getting better at it each and every single time. When we use the word try, we're limiting our experience. When we use the word practice, we're expanding it. And it comes with a whole lot less judgment, don't you think? We want you to try a little harder. Opposed to, 
we'd like you to put in some more practice. Oh, well now I feel like I'm getting somewhere when I'm practicing, but when I'm just trying, it feels like I'm failing. It makes a difference. Try, should, don't. These are some of the three biggest common language glitches that we use in our everyday world. But changing these things actually creates a better reality for ourselves. The very last one that I want to share with you, I just used, but. We all know this word, right? I'm not talking about your twerkability. I'm talking about the word, but. I really like what you've done with your hair, but I wish you would have kept it a bit longer. Who's ever heard a sentence like this in some kind of version? Heaps of us have heard something like this. How does it feel when you get a compliment followed by a but? Yes, it doesn't feel very good at all. Why? Because everything that comes before a but is negated, deleted, ignored. Wow, this place is absolutely beautiful. Look at where I live. But it's a bit hot. It takes away everything that came before it. So we need to be careful with our buts. How are you using them? If we replace the word but with and. This is a tricky one because but is part of our everyday language. And and feels weird at times. And a lot of these language changes will feel weird. But if you keep practicing it, you'll improve. Do you see what I did there? I used the but to negate the negative that came first. I said, it's going to feel weird. It's going to feel different. But if you keep practicing it, you will progress. Sometimes but can be used with volition. It can be used with power and thought. If I really want to talk about something that is positive, I want someone to see the lighter side of things, I might use the word but to negate what I said in the beginning. But is powerful. Use it wisely. The way in which we can use the word and is, wow, this place is really beautiful and it's hot and it's a bit hot. It's not negating one or the other. It's beautiful and it's hot, not it's hot, which means it's no longer beautiful. Do you see what I'm getting at here? If you speak about shitty things all the time, it's likely that your experience is gonna be shitty because you're Googling shitty things all the time and more shitty things happen. Even if great things are happening around you, if all you filter is shitty things, all you're gonna get is shitty things because that's the way in which you're perceiving everything that's happening around you. If you Google up here gratitude, hopefulness, positivity, thankfulness, then even when things aren't going so well, the objective reality is still pretty shitty, you're going to be able to find more happiness, more joy, more strength, more gratitude in that moment. Our language creates our reality, our subjective reality. So become aware of your language and the way in which you're speaking about the world. Whether or not you do P's and Q's and you're, you know, when we say watch your language, eh, if you swear, if it's F and Q's and whatever it happens to be, it makes little difference because your P's and Q's have less of the capacity to change your reality and your shoulds 
your don'ts, your tries and your buts is where I want you to think about. Think about your shoulds, pay attention to your buts, notice your nots and your don'ts and practice rather than try. Self-acceptance and loving yourself is not all about having bubble baths, coming to terms with what your body looks like and falling in love with who you are. All of those things are true. What is also true is that there are skills and tools that help you create your reality. You seeing your world through the lens of shitty, through the lens of yuck, through the lens of don't, not, try, but, creates a certain type of experience for yourself. Self-acceptance is also about learning the tools, the techniques, the strategies. This is what I do for my clients. I teach them all of the things, including these really important strategies that help you create a reality through the lens of acceptance rather than through the lens of denial. New episodes come out every Friday. If you have any suggestions around some kind of topics that you'd like me to talk about, just leave me a comment or shoot me a PM on whatever platform we connect on. We're available on podcast, on YouTube, as well as Facebook each and every single week. And as a gift to my listeners and my watchers, each and every single one of you, I'm offering a free confidence discovery session. All you need to do is shoot me through a PM, a DM, as I said, wherever we connect, leave a comment or send me an email, loveyourself at moreconfidence.com.au. My name is Luna Gaia. I specialize in body confidence, self-esteem, and learning how to love yourself, unraveling all the layers of who you think you are so the truth of you can be absolutely revealed. I've done it for myself. I do it for my clients each and every single day, and I can do it for you. In the meantime, happy self-loving.